Welcome to episode 121 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We're recording June 27th, 2021. My name is Eric, the host of the show, based in Southern Ontario. I'm a hunter, target shooter, ham radio operator, and as a first responder, witness an over-reliance on emergency services during major events. Uh, I started a small preparedness company to help people get better prepared for at least 72 hours, if not longer. And you forgot to mention president of the Red Dawn Fan Club. Well, hey, I thought that was you. Oh, okay. Yeah. My name is Ian. I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student of preparedness, target shooter, and my charm is designated overheated handyman. Are you wearing pants tonight? Uh, maybe, maybe not. All right. <laughs> That's why the camera's off all of a sudden. That's all right. Well, it's a little concerning. First responder, security expert, overall safety nerd, and the chief executive officer of the Red Dawn Fan Club. <laughs> I'm Scott, the frazzled new dad, paramedic splitting my time between southern and northern Ontario. I like learning things, and I don't accept things will always carry on the way they have, simply because I want them to. Oh, I should stop muting myself. Um, <laughs> if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper podcast on the air, please buy some swag. We have both wicked awesome t-shirts that say Canadian Prepper podcast. They're very cool and very comfortable. And... The super cool tactical Velcro patch. You can get those both at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. We also want your feedback, good or bad, or if it's just a topic you'd like us to cover. Please let us know by email at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, so we've got some silver screen content for you in this episode. Uh, first, we're going to start off with some preparedness for the news articles. Next, we'll let you know what we've done for our preparedness since the last episode. Then we're going to get, it, going to get into the, the main topic, if I could talk, uh, our favorite prepper movies and why. So let's move into the news. Uh, I don't have a link for it, but um, kind of a heads up for everybody, if you don't already know wildfire season is uh heating up no pun intended but it is uh, it's getting it's getting bad and it looks like it's going to be a pretty bad one this year um across the entire continent we're uh, uh we're seeing earlier and heavier fire activity than last year and last year was the worst on record so prepare yourselves accordingly um have fire breaks all that good stuff check your co detectors all the all the things that we need to have. <laughs> Two minutes, forty five seconds. I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is thirty seven episodes consecutively. <laughs> um, but in in all seriousness, um, the, these fires do spread quickly. They can spread in different directions uh, without much, without much warning. Uh, anybody in Alberta remembers, you know, you know firsthand the the Fort McMurray challenges where. Um, we thought we had, you know, hours to get out and it turned out to be minutes or days turned into hours. Um, last year we talked with, uh, with Hughes, um, out in the East coast where he was, you know, he had a two hour bug out plan and he all of a sudden had 10 minutes to get the, to get out of the house. So, um, if you're in, if your area is threatened by wildfires, um, back your vehicles in, keep your tanks full and keep whatever you need in your vehicles. Also, know how to drive every vehicle in your in your fleet. Fair enough, and the gas tanks above half, of course. Yeah. Okay. Well, actually, yeah, I can attest to that too because, like, we're going through a heat wave out here too, which is about nine or nine or ten degrees warmer than it normally would be at this time of year, which is pretty crazy. So, was oh, it like twenty four now? <laughs> no, believe it or not, it is thirty seven right now. It's gonna be thirty eight tomorrow. It's crazy. Yikes! It's a little warm. Yeah. A little warmer than we are here, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, right next to the ocean especially. So anyway, um, so just to prove that we are indeed the proper news source, because I think we beat the Wall Street Journal by about two weeks, they put in an article that said uh, the world relies on one chip maker now. <laughs> so they, uh, they mentioned in this article a few other uh, chip makers have had some mysterious fires and production problems and everything else. And so now basically the entire world is relying on one chip maker out of Taiwan that basically if it goes up pretty much – Everything stops. Uh, cars, small gadgets, everything. Apple iPhones. Every Apple iPhone chip is made in this one factory, and so on and so on. So it's a very interesting article. And the fact that I think even you know the the mainstream media that isn't the Prepper Podcast recognizes this as being a problem as well to, to keep an eye on. So does this mean we might have to go back to talking face to face? 
Uh, or landlines. Yeah. Land land I want to get off. <laughs> Maybe yeah, we can go back to like pay phones on the street corner that actually like you know are everywhere. Yeah, it's hey, like a what? dollar a call now. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, um, no. But in, in in all in all reality, though, like uh, production is being shut down and across just about every industry that relies on chips because of this problem. Like it, it's yep. there are huge huge material shortages for this right now. Yeah, this is actually kind of amazing when you see. I guess a bunch of cars are coming off the lots right now, and they're all missing like one or two chips, yep. so they can't be sold. But they're ninety nine percent complete. Yeah, or some of them are just being sold without features that they would normally come with. And just being told, well, sorry, sucks to be you. We can't put it in later, but here's your vehicle. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. They're definitely yeah. a tenuous supply chain at best. So Don't worry. They take 50 bucks off, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and the chip probably cost two bucks, but, you know, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, other than that, uh, let's see here. The second article I had was from, uh, well, less lesser, I guess, reliable source, but some of Dot News anyway. Um, and it basically was an article quoting one from, I think, The Guardian or somebody other in the UK, anyways, about how England has finally come to the realization that having mask mandates and lockdowns has caused a huge economic impact in their country. Come on. <laughs> what? <laughs> so they're just like, hey, we didn't actually see this coming, but over the last year, we've really devastated our economy. So uh, we're going to drop the mask mandate come July 19th or something like that. I was like, wow, that's that's amazing. Well, then. So, I guess government's on top of these things, you know. Sure. Anyway, that's all I had. All right. So I've uh, I've got one here from CBC. Yes, CBC, but uh, it's in regards to the condo tower collapse in Florida. So uh, unfortunately, nine confirmed uh, deceased, uh, four Canadians among dozens still missing. Uh, so just want to include this uh, in the news section as a bit of a reminder that you never really know what's going to happen. Well, I, and I think it's fair to say that, you know, the, of the dozens still missing after a few days, it's it's looking pretty grim. I mean, like it is, when, you, yeah. when you got a building falling on people and, you know, they haven't had water for three days, it's like, they're probably not missing anymore. They're probably getting moved no. over to another category. I would it, imagine, unfortunately, yeah. It goes from search to recovery pretty, uh, or rescue to recovery um, yeah. about now. I think that happened on Thursday, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Watching some yeah, of the video from that was just absolutely incredible. Um, we should note, I mean, as as much as there are nine confirmed fatalities, and that is absolutely tragic without without question. Um, there are also they also made at least forty five rescues. Yep. So yep. It, it's there's, there's that as well. A lot of a lot of good a lot of uh, people worked really really hard to do the best they could, uh, and a huge shout out to Miami Dade Fire Department. Um, very naturally, most of my most of my uh, um, Instagram feed is uh, is first responder is first responder pages, and um, seeing the you know these these the, the volume of work that these guys are doing to save as many lives as possible is just uh, absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah, some some good work in a in a tragic circumstance, but uh, also serves as a good reminder that uh, you never know what's going to happen, and you may think that the building you're in is secure, but it might not be. And- I mean, it, the, the story was making me think about my bug out bag and yep. what, you know, you know, if, if building overhead announces get out now <laughs> because half of it's collapsed, you're intact, but odds are you're never setting foot in your apartment again to get anything. So, yep. um, you but know, even or, your 72 hour kit, right? Because it's yep. not just your building that's affected. Three blocks yep. surrounding are now are, are now evacuated and everybody's displaced. So um, that's a good point. That yeah, evacuation right. route, seventy two hours to to get your poop in a group and, and figure out where you're going, what you're doing. Um, well, absolutely, that's exactly, absolutely essential. And this is one of those prime examples where you might just be bugging out to a hotel room, not necessarily in a woods, you know, with your SKS or anything else. Yep. So I mean, it's definitely a big thing. And the sad part about this too is it's already coming out that yep, sure enough, there's some warning signs years in advance that you know people have been talking about how the foundation had problems. And I guess some of the workers were sitting there clanging away at the foundation for the last week. Obviously, they clanged away a little too hard or something, but um, there was clearly some foreseeable problems that they they decided to kind of hush up rather than actually yep. making it you know more of a uh, public awareness thing. So there's going to be a lot of a lot of lessons learned, I think, from this long term. I think so. That's at least there's going to be some lessons learned out of it, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the scary thing, a friend of mine live, uh, lived in a condo building, which 
you know, they found all sorts of structural problems and it just turned into this incredibly drawn out, protracted legal battle for who was, who was to blame. Um, and, you know, nothing was getting fixed in the interim. <laughs> so I, I think in Florida, they said the repair, the repair they needed to do was a $9 million repair, which divided amongst uh, a whole lot of condo owners is still an awful lot of money for each of them. Yep. Oh, yeah. But with that, shall we move into uh, what we've done lately for preps? Well, I bought the parts for my Faraday box. I don't think I moved quite quite as far as some other people here. Um, but one second after always scares the crap out of me. <laughs> um, I also stocked up on dog food. Um, Got to keep the canines fed. Uh, or if things go really bad, you know, it's maybe an odd tasting chili, but it's a whole lot of calories that are easy to store with a crazy long shelf life. So the dog um, or the food? The the, the kibble. Oh, <laughs> the, oh boy. The, the kibble. All right. So, yeah, let's go back to one second after. We'll yep. have this fight again. <laughs> um, but, I mean, as we were saying in the uh, the one-year War Game episode, yeah, I would probably stock up on a whole lot of dog food. So I figured I could get in and out of there a whole lot easier than the uh, chaos of the grocery store. That's Fair true. Enough. Yeah. So part of my part of my pantry is like four hundred bottles of the tahini spice, like the the chili lime. Makes anything taste taste good. Well, uh, I'm ninety percent sure that the steak chili and the the dog beef stew or whatever is probably the same stuff. It just gets split into two pipes, and one goes in the dog food side, and one goes in the human food side. I'm I'm pretty sure some of that stuff is indistinguishable from the other. I think you're probably right. <laughs> but, hey, on on different that labels, so it has to be fun. <laughs> Yeah. Some something else I saw I forget I forget who uh, who posted it was uh, maybe the New York Times um, they the, somebody did a a DNA test on Subway tuna and it contained no tuna <laughs> color me shocked more concept yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh jeez <laughs> all right so for what I've done lately uh, got out to some Crown land set up the tents for a few days it was glorious no cell reception great just the tents boat uh, campfire some fish awesome shockingly i know this is going to be very shocking for everybody listening uh, i set up my hf rig as well weird for me i know uh, but got that uh, got that set up and uh, actually was able to pick up some stations in the u.s so that was kind of neat uh, but i've uh, found out i got to do a little bit of tweaking on my antenna setup so we weren't making any contacts with anybody nobody could hear us uh, we could certainly hear a bunch of stations, so I got to uh, I got to figure that setup uh, out a little bit more. Uh, but it was fun to just get out for a couple of days and goof around with that and do a whole lot of nothing. Uh, what uh, what kind of antenna had you been using? Uh, so I just had a vertical, uh, just like a whip antenna. So okay. I, I think I'm going to get uh, something a little bit different, like a wire antenna of some sort that I can maybe do as a dipole. Throw it up with some trees. Maybe I'll get a little bit better. Um, ability to actually send signal versus just receive. We'll see. It's an antenna I have. I've had forever. I've just never really goofed around with it much. So, goes back to testing your gear. There so. you go. Why am I just yeah. hearing about testing my gear for the first time tonight? I know, right? 121 episodes, and we're just mentioning it now. Well, if you've listened to this point, test your gear. <laughs> Sounds important. If, I should write that down. If you're a new yeah, listener yeah. to the show, this my mind alone. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know we haven't mentioned it much, but yeah, just test your gear. Uh, also finished up uh, my first Faraday ammo can project. So used a 50 cal uh, ammo can that they ordered a couple weeks ago after the book club and uh, got that all set up. And uh, so far, I'm happy with the results. Hopefully never have to test it. So next up is a portable ham radio and battery slash solar box. Thanks for the idea, Ian. So that'll be the next, uh, the next project. But this one's all built and ready to go and took a couple hours to do, but uh, pretty happy with uh, with the results on it. Uh, and then uh, last, just put a couple of things in place last night. We had a bunch of storms rolling through with uh, some tornado watches and some uh, freaky looking skies at times. So just put all my uh, little uh, checklists in place for uh, things that were going on. Got the radio up and going and got a couple of streams going to listen to what was going on. And Thankfully, nothing crazy here. Um, Chatsworth had a tornado touchdown and go through, but that's uh, a little bit of a 
distance from here, but um, Godrich also had one right on Lake Huron. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just just outside of town. Yeah. They're they're calling for it to come this way and come right through, uh, but thankfully that didn't happen. But I was able to put everything in place and uh, get the get the radios on and get the streams going and have all the information kind of flowing. So that was good. Brad uh, has a question online. How do you test a Faraday cage? It's a great question. Jumper you're going to start a fight. You're going to start a fight, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got their own kind of uh, ways of doing it. Um, you need a flux capacitor to generate yeah, one point twenty one yeah, gigawatts yeah. to be able to to be able to over simulate a bolt of lightning. Um, otherwise, you're not actually testing it properly. Or a phone I ran, get them to detonate one overhead your house from maybe thirty miles up, and you know just yep. ask them to do you a solid. So these are the answers that you typically get on the internet, Brad. Um, yeah. So you're going to get all kinds of, of answers. There's, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the YouTube. Um, it's the, the doctor. EMP doctor. The EMP doctor. That's it. Yeah. He, uh, he does some pretty good tests um, that are actually like, you know, scientifically done. Um, so I kind of built my box around his principles, um, hoping that he is legitimately a doctor. Looks like it. He wore a tie. So... He's that's on the internet. He calls himself a doctor. What else do you yeah. want? Well, you know, he's probably talking about doing everything you guys just suggested to. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's all kinds of different ways. Um, you know, a lot of people say you throw your cell phone in. If it stops getting reception, you're good. I don't really buy that. Is it blocking some signal at that point? Yeah. Um, is it blocking enough to stop? You know, an EMP. I don't think it is at that point, but it's going to block something. But um, yeah, I just, like I said, I built my box around uh, the MP doctor's uh, way of doing things there. And hopefully, hopefully it works. Uh, hopefully I never have to tell you if it did or it didn't. So, there we well, chances are good. We won't be able to tell you on, in this platform if it did. Well, or it didn't. if, if I did it right, we can. If I well, didn't do it right. If you put your laptop in an ammo can, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. And the interweb stays intact and, well, you know, I yeah. would just do a straight through cable connection to another laptop. I'd stream to myself and well, hey, if you want to sit around the other laptop and watch, well, great. Cool. We know Jeff's not coming here for that, though, based on the last episode. Yeah, just didn't want to hang out tonight. As for myself, as you can see by my uh, much straighter and neater background, I uh, finished some minor home renovations. And so now I've got the blackout curtains covering all of the, uh, the the stacks of, of Sterilite containers. So Your shed uh, is looking fantastic. Yeah, it looks a lot different, I know. I can see a lot of light through those blackout curtains. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, the blackout curtains are still working for us because as you can see, the little tension rods up top are, uh, are not quite flush with the window there. So I got to tighten those up a bit. But so that's uh, what was behind the boxes. Yeah, that's right. Mm. This is actually the sunroom in our uh, house, so it's uh, it's a move inside versus the shed. But it's anyways. We, we got Makes sense for all the sun in the windows. Yeah, so the the sun is gone right now. Well, it's still out there, but it's being blocked off. Anyway, so that kind of took a bit of time to getting the the former daughter's bedroom now office uh, set up. I got all my stuff moved in here, and uh, you have yeah. a former daughter. Yeah, I, well, I was just going to call him on room. that. Yes, <laughs> the room that. Formerly belonged to the daughter. Now she is outside the house. How's that sound? So she anyway, moved out. Yeah, she did. So she the uh, the Wi-Fi is spotty at best. So hence I'm going to kill my camera again because I don't want to like drop off because I want to just drone on incessantly for five minutes. So I shall. All right. Anyways, uh, so yeah, new podcast location, which is great. Hopefully the Wi-Fi works. Uh, spent I don't know a couple of days going into the woods here, getting some deadfall that I chopped up earlier in the year during the cool time. Then it got too hot to work, so I decided to call quits for that. Um, with the heat wave, I set up my little hillbilly uh, wash tub, which is a funny story in itself. I sent you guys some uh, racy pictures there before, but uh, yeah, I'm still washing my eyes out. <laughs> got me going. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Two really different answers there. <laughs> Whoa, I, I didn't expect that one. Um, yeah, so I took one of the old rainwater catchment tubs, took pressure washer to it, cleaned it out, and then of course took it back to new condition. But uh, it's just a nice little soaker tub to get rid of the heat uh, stroke or heat exhaustion, anyway. Um, because yeah, it's, it's, you start working out here for five minutes and once you start, stop sweating, it's usually time to like sit down and hydrate and kind of cool down a bit. So, uh, set up the tub there with some, uh, some fresh water, uh, decent temperature. It doesn't take long to warm up in this temperature, of course. And I've been basically spending the last couple of days just making sure the animals are cooled down, plants are watered, everything else. Um, cause there's really not much else you can do with this kind of temperature, but, um, 
last couple of days I was working on the pump house uh, down at the bottom of the property. Had to flush out the tank because it has to be done every once in a while. Uh, setting up the pump house for a paint job, so just a little bit of home renos there. Not really much going on there. And then uh, had a couple of new neighbors move in, so I thought I'd uh, make some initial contacts with them and kind of suss them out. And, um, you know, mags are important, especially neighborhood ones, so I thought I'd just uh, give that a try. And that's pretty much it. It was pretty slack for preparedness the last couple of weeks. Yeah, is what it is. Yeah. Uh, just got a, a note for anybody listening in Toronto area, uh, Midland and 401 in Scarborough. There's currently a level two hazmat incident with a uh, looks like about a four kilometer perimeter set up around there. So if you're uh, if you're in that area, um, maybe hit hop over to Twitter and check out Toronto Fire's uh, feed. Find out what you're supposed to be doing. Crank on your radio, your TV. Make sure that uh, you're staying safe. Um, not sure what the what the hazard is, but it's a uh, it looks like a pretty se- a pretty serious leak. So uh, that's what anybody in that area. I believe Sorry? that's how that uh, Dave Bautista movie that does came out, Army of the Dead. I do believe that's how it started. <laughs> highway yeah, uh, highway incident. Yeah, oh, this one's not right on the highway. It looks like it's a little north of the highway, um, okay. but it's still uh, still not good. Don't know what the product is. Don't know which way it's blowing or what or whether wind is a factor. But um, if that's your area. Stay safe. Listen to the uh, listen to the notification from Fire because they are uh, there are they got <laughs> they got a lot of vehicles on scene. Anyways, um, this week for me, it's been a couple of weeks since I've been on. Um, made some progress on my truck radio setup. Actually, was able to make contact, get on the net with the uh, with the local uh, amateur radio club. Um, somebody actually recognized my call sign because it belonged to uh, my grandpa before me. Uh, which was kind of cool. I uh, was able to actually test the range out on the uh, um, uh, out from their repeater, so I can't connect from my house to that repeater directly, but I can hear them pretty well once they're on. So um, there were I, I was able to make contact actually today with another local repeater, which uh, which is nice. Bought some new flashlights because you can never have enough. And it seems to be it seems to be them transitioning everything over to the eighteen six fifty batteries, which are um, large and in charge, but they're uh, they're rechargeable. They have a pretty good lifespan. Uh, lithium ion. I've got a couple of headlamps, a couple of hand lights. Um, they're all on eighteen six fifty, and I'm building up a reserve of batteries. So that's uh, that seems to be my new thing, trying to standardize as much as I can. Uh, the garden is looking good. I've got uh, about four thousand tomatoes that are about to uh, that are that are going to be sprouting in the next little bit, and my first batch of potatoes is ready is, is just about ready for harvest. They sprouted their uh, sprouted their flowers about three weeks ago, so um, we'll be up one or two more weeks. We'll start start digging, see how much we can get, and then because it's still so early in the season, it looks like we might even be able to plant them again and get a second batch depending on how cold, how, how quickly it turns cold this year. So um, that could be fun. It looks like we'll get about 50 pounds now. And if we can do it again, then we'll have, you know, enough potatoes from, to feed my teenage children for the next cup for the, for the rest of the winter. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the, uh, the rain has delayed my garage project a little bit, but I got all the conduit run in for um, electric, electrical communications gas line. And... Uh, ready to uh, ready to go as soon as the as soon as I've got an excavator available to come and do my backfill. We're ready to move on. Fingers crossed. We'll be framing second week of July. That's nice. uh, uh, that's about all I got for now. Excellent. Oh, How- met up with yes. met up with Gavin when I was in I was in the GTA. Uh, Gavin from the other CPP. He's been on he's been on our show a couple of times yeah. and uh, met up with him and his uh, special lady friend and they were uh, it was a great little chat. Had a great afternoon visit. Very that's cool. what I got. I think that's that's it for me for now. Uh, how many potato plants did you or do you have in the garden to to give you fifty pounds of potatoes? You know, I honestly don't know. I didn't plant them. Uh, my better half and her and her father did. Um, unfortunately, it's a little too dark for me to see them right now from where, from where I'm sitting. But uh, in the neighborhood of thirty. Okay. And so each so each potato that we planted, right? We planted all the seed potatoes. They all popped up really, really quickly, and each one of those sprouts off a few a few potatoes. So um, that's that's what I'm hearing is is that this uh, this I would say about thirty plants will give us approximately fifty pounds of potatoes if everything goes well. Um, won't know until we actually dig them up and find out, but it's uh, it's gonna be fun when we do. Well, very cool. cool. I, I might come back to this when I get to my movie. All right. <laughs> 
Except for hopefully uh, your growing medium is a little better, but anyway. <laughs> Ideally. <laughs> well, that was a good transition. Let's move into the main topic, shall we? So one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast is how looking at books, video games, movies, TV, whatever, uh, just give you some different thoughts, ideas. I mean, some of them are a little ridiculous and they're sort of made to come to a climactic ending. But if, if some of the media makes you think about your preps, um, these are useful things. I mean, some of the, the books we've covered have made me just tweak one or two little things that would be a big problem if I hadn't thought of them ahead of time. So I, I enjoyed these activities. So we said, hey, let's look at some movies. Who doesn't enjoy movies? And see what, what we got out of them. <laughs> And apparently, right. Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it's because he Basically was the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's in the comments, he's he's watching. <laughs> he's in, he didn't want to come and chat today. Whatever. That's well, fine. he can come join us another time, I guess. I, I guess, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe we don't let him come back. All right. Yeah. Actually, uh, Scott or uh, Scott. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I mean, there's there's a bunch of movies out there that are like sometimes it's fun to watch stuff blow up. Sometimes it's you know a good happy ending movie. But some movies just make you think, right? And uh, I picked one that I, because I heard Red Dawn mentioned about four times during the post chat or post episode chat last week. I thought I should probably pick something different. So I picked something uh, from uh, well even before my generation because even though I'm as old as fuck, but anyway, um, I'm still uh, not time that old. Itself, too. Oldest time itself. Yes, I'm not as old as, uh, as when this movie first came out in theaters, which was 1970. Uh, my movie is called No Blade of Grass. And I put a little Wikipedia link into it regarding the uh, the movie history and everything else. However, um, it is one of the many books put out by uh, the author called John Christopher uh, as movie adaptation of the book. And John Christopher is like, you know, your top level doom porn author and one of the OG gangsters of, of post-apocalyptic stuff because... He must have put out at least 30 or 40 books uh, that dealt with, like, you know, post-normal civilization. Um, Ex-World War II fighter pilot, just like Roald Dahl, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, George Orwell, all these other guys are kind of affected by wartime stuff. So uh, I think John Christopher probably dealt a lot with the what-if, uh, especially during the course of his military career. And uh, so he put out this book, and it was immensely successful, actually. And the book, of course, is much better than the movie. But this book basically deals with... Uh, the concept of what happens if all grass-based food has um, some sort of a disease, like a blight that won't allow it to grow, to grow. So worldwide, imagine if all wheat, barley, rice, or corn was not able to grow and uh, the world had to adjust. It's not exactly out of the realm of possibility with monocropping going on right now, right? So anyway, I, uh, I picked this book because uh, basically had a bunch of ideas that fit in the preparedness mindset and i think he basically intentionally did it that way because he was kind of worried about what was going to happen with the soviets and everything else at the time post-war and uh but it's actually pretty awesome because if you look back at this movie it hasn't aged well because these the special effects are horrible and the cast looks like a bunch of austin powers rejects characters but <laughs> with the with the accent to boot but uh <laughs> It's, it's pretty awesome. When you, when you actually look at it as, as the ultimate bug out movie, it really is actually really well done. So um, it uh, starts off with these guys very rationally kind of trying to form a mag during a dinner party. And so they're sitting there talking back and forth. You know, one guy's like, well, I've got contacts in the government that can warn me if something's going to go down soon. So we'll have time to leave town. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, did you hear that about China? They just had to nerve gas 300 million of their own people because they're all starved to death. And they're like, oh, pity. <laughs> it's just so typical of the generation, right? They're just like, oh, that sounds horrible. Oh, well, moving along. And, um, of course, in typical fashion, they, they make a really bad plan to evacuate the city with because they're not exactly professional preppers. And, uh, of course, they leave it to the very last minute. And, you know, I think we can relate to lockdowns. And, of course, the lockdown happens. And they have five minutes to pack. And then they pick the world's worst possible vehicle to bug out with. And, of course, the end of the Prius. No, it was like some <laughs> god awful Vauxhall or something like that from the, the UK. 1970 was probably a gremlin. 
uh, it's probably like a 60s vehicle anyways like a, a horrible station wagon anyway and then uh so of course typical continuation bias they suffer from you know they, they don't want to tell the daughter what's going on because they don't want to upset her and uh, they don't want to like pack anything you know they want to make sure they take their favorite pictures with them versus like you know knives matches or <laughs> it might actually work and uh the mag kind of falls apart right off the bat. Now, the nice thing is, is because in the book that goes into more detail, but basically they do talk about the fact that it's a family farm. They have, it's a bug out location that's nicely, you know, isolated in this private little valley with this private little water source and everything else. And the original mag idea was to bug out together to this location. But of course the bug out gets messed up because they don't plan it very well. And then they run into all sorts of moral dilemmas with the, you know, like uh, they knock on a gun shop uh, door at like 6 a.m., and of course, back in the '60s, you would answer the door if you're the gun shop owner. Of course. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's how that works, right? Yeah, and so of course, even though the, even back then the UK required licensing and everything else, these guys decided they're going to try and take some guns and ammo without a license, um, which leads to the course that moral dilemma: right? you need it to survive, but you don't have a license. So, geez, what are we going to do? And so, of course, then it turns into well, I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but it turns into a bad scene, and uh, the weirdness starts coming out in people, which you know during emergency stressful times, weirdness comes out in people, right? So it actually does touch on that quite well to the point where you're like, you're looking at this one guy, like, what's his malfunction? And yeah, yeah that's just a normal thing under stress, right? And uh, under normalcy bias, again, they, they run into a military checkpoint. They make a point of shooting the troops to get through, and then they don't want to keep the military weapons afterwards because they're worried about being caught with them. I'm like, well, you just committed murder. I don't think you need to worry about being caught with a machine gun at this point. So, like, it was a really, really strange outlook on this movie. It was, like, uh, one of those things where you're like, ah, I think they just don't get it. Um, anyways, and so, yeah, on the course of, what, nine meals, the society's completely falling apart. And um, it was just it was a really well-done movie. So I, I think there's a lot of lessons to take away from that. At the very end, it basically boils down to you can't save everyone. And so not everybody's going to get to the bug out location. And then they have to rationalize it because the bug out location is limited in the carrying capacity of the farmland, the actual physical space they have, and how many food store uh, food stores they have because they might be able to survive with like ten people for a year or five people for, or for twenty people for six months. So what do you do, right? And you don't know how long this emergency is going to go on, and obviously they can't grow a lot of food because everything's falling apart. And uh, yeah, just a really by movie. three months. Sorry, what was that? Kill the other ten people and extend it by three months. That's right. Or you have a daughter move out and your food stores go up by 25%, right? <laughs> <laughs> You've done the calculation. i done my calculations, yeah. <laughs> so it, it was just, it was, a, it was a really interesting movie. And consider it was 1970 and the, the whole you know, zombie porn movie genre hadn't really started up yet. I think there was one George Romero movie out by then. And uh, it's just, a, it's a really interesting take. I mean, like I said, it didn't age well, but if you're willing to look past that, it's actually, a, it's worth your time. And that's pretty much I had. Very nice. All right. Oh shoot! How did I end up second? Um, I went for the low hanging <laughs> fruit and uh, and talk about Red Dawn. Um, if you haven't seen Red Dawn, then stop listening. You're no longer welcome here. Um, if you've okay. only watched the 2012 Red Dawn, then you're allowed to listen, but your homework is to watch the original because it's the best. And hang your head in shame. Also, yes, hang your head in shame. <laughs> um, but I, I think Red Dawn has just about everything. It has a, you know, a solid reason to bug out, right? You've got a foreign invasion, um, depending on which version you've watched. I think, can we, can we just not acknowledge the 2012 version because it was so terrible? Well, I will acknowledge the fact that they they touch on EMPs because they, they use that as a bit of a precursor to invasion, which I thought was kind of a, a neat idea. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, depending on which version you watch, uh, it has it has um, either a surprise invasion of paratroops, or everything just stops working all of a sudden, and then um, and then the troops the troops land. Um, so then the, the the ensuing bug out, and who can we take, and who can we not, and how quickly can we get out? Um, then the insurgency, which is just phenomenal. I'm probably going to get a Wolverine tattoo on me somewhere at some point. Um, living off the land, making sure that they, you know, having the skills to be able to keep themselves alive became crucially important. Um, and then a boatload of dead commies, which is the absolute best part of Red Dawn. Well, yeah, that's right. But also the, the mental game too, right? They, they knew they were overwhelmed, like overwhelming odds. Um, yep. No help was coming. You know, they could just give up and, and, and walk into the camps, that's true, or they could try and free the other guys that are in the camps. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of moral dilemmas going on there. Yep. 
Yeah. Same thing, with and they the and they also right there. You know, they also knew that the 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 more that they attacked the invading forces, the worse it was for the people in the camps. So again, the moral dilemma: Do they continue with what they're doing and make it worse for the people that are left, with the hope of freedom? Better to die on your feet than live on your knees. Or do they back off and hope that the benevolent overseers will do better for the people that are captive? And in my opinion, they made the right choice. Uh, I would rather I would rather die knowing that someone was coming to save me than so quote exist or live under captivity. Well, and the two, same thing with the girls too. Like, look at the dilemma they had. They, you know, they started out with a couple of Russians trying to have their way with them, and in the end, they decided, well, it's better to like, yeah, die on my feet type of thing. And so they decided to go fight versus you know being some Russian you know overlord sex toy. So that's mm-hmm. um, a lot to be said about a lot of things there. And you know, yep. again, you know, one guy's father was punished for handing out weapons to them because you know you you helped the resistance, even though there wasn't really an officially resistance yet. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot there's a lot going on there. It is a um, um, it, it's a it's a terrible movie. Let's let's be real about this. <laughs> it's not, it is not a well it is not a high budget movie, but it does it does have a lot it does have a lot of things as Scott mentioned in the beginning. Right, it, it has a lot of things for us to think about. Um, there are a lot of there are a lot of um, yeah, a lot of moral dilemmas. There are a lot of practical dilemmas. There are a lot of skills that are required that uh, had the wrong people ended up in that position, um, that movie wouldn't have happened, right? The, the whole plot would have just fallen apart pretty well instantly. And it also lends to the, to the concept that the better prepared you are to live with the least amount that you can, the better off you're going to be. I still think that's going to be one of the most endu- in, you know, enduring scenes from 1980s movies. It's like when they go into the sporting goods store and just start ripping stuff off the shelves <laughs> and loading up the truck as best they can. Yep, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cases, cases of soup. and you know, it, was very, it was very much beans, bullets, and Band-Aids. Um, and they mounted an effective resistance to that, which was fantastic. It was, great. It was, a, it was the best possible outcome. So that was that was mine. Um, Contagion was a uh, uh, was a close second, but frankly, I didn't have time to do the notes. So, <laughs> so uh, Dan in the live chat's got a couple of suggestions for us. Uh, he says, with all the talk about UFOs lately, perhaps uh, aliens, Independence Day, or even better, War of the Worlds. Well, the initial attack of War in the Worlds was still pretty awesomely done in, as far as the cinematography goes. Um, and again, the deal with EMP and having to replace ignition circuits and everything else, that was really well done. Yep. Yeah. Uh, interesting enough, I guess on Friday, the uh, the UFO report came out from the government, and nobody cared. Yeah. yeah I think we've all just acknowledged at this point that there has to be, um, there, there, just, there very simply has to be. If we just well, take interesting. The- I, I haven't read that UFO report that came out from the, uh, the, the U.S. military there, but I guess they, they finally put out everything they have on UFOs, and I guess they do admit that there is life that they can't explain. Of course. And... Uh, and I guess it's got zero media coverage, right? Yep. So well, it doesn't it doesn't fit the bad scary narrative because it's just simply unexplained. Um, but if you think about it, right, our our sun is is simply a star like any other in the sky, and it has approximately nine planets circling it, and one of those has life that we recognize as intelligent ish and usable and sustainable and. There are how many billion stars that we are that we are aware of currently, and the odds are astronomically small to non-existent. That if you average out the number, you know, average out that there's one planet circling most of those stars that may sustain some kind of life. If not, what a colossal waste of effort! The entire universe is. <laughs> well, it, it, either it's mathematically impossible for there not to be alien life, or uh, if there is, if we are alone in the universe, then we should actually be taking better care of ourselves. But <laughs> anyway, I mean, if we are, if we are that unique, unique. But anyway, um, just for I Brandon, was just gonna, I was just going to say, now that we've gone off about UFOs, you're welcome, yeah. Brandon. <laughs> yeah. So, Brandon, sorry about that. I mean, I know your neighbors listening now, but we're not all about UFOs. I swear to God. So. Um, <laughs> Dude, we're not, we're not about UFOs, but yeah. <laughs> look, I'm not saying they're aliens, but there are probably aliens. <laughs> uh, Service Communications uh, mentions uh, the series Jericho. Yeah, that was a good series. Um, yep. 
it was uh, an interesting thing on nuclear war and uh, how the community has to kind of band together to kind of overcome certain obstacles, everything from fake help arriving to uh, bad neighbors to food shortages and everything else. I seriously think they, they unfortunately cut that one short uh, just when they, I think things started to get interesting. I think they canceled the series, which is a little bit tough. But anyway, uh, good series overall, but short. Yep. Uh, so for me, I've just got a couple listed here. Um, so given all the, the weather stuff that was going on the other day, I figured I'd throw a twister in here just because good old mother nature coming to get you type movie. We got cows. Uh, got cows. Yeah. cows. We got vehicles thrown all over the place. You got a nice little love story going on in the middle there throughout all of it. Twist yeah. it into it, if you will. <laughs> oh, terrible. Oh, terrible. Oh, Alan Hunter um, Dress. I'm, I'm about it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> But it was actually it's pretty good. I mean, they 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 had a good plot to it, and as well, like we we laughed about yeah. the cows flying through the air. But what did we see in Manitoba there in Eli when that one hit? Sure enough, that was like the same thing. And they had like trucks flying through the air and everything else. Yep. It's like it's not like we can't get them here in Canada. So nope. Oh, it happens. So well, think happened about yesterday. Think about that, right? So we've got the we've got cow, we got cows flying through the air. This is something that we know happens. Now let's go back like thirty five million some odd years. You picture a T-Rex flying through the air. It's little arms flailing, and he's like trying to speak on their own, and he's like up in the air, and you get the whole yep. Wizard of Oz theme going on in the and background. He, and he was already angry to begin with. He was already yep. pissed off to begin with. You, you <laughs> tell him to brace, brace for impact, and he says he can't because it's not too short. Cover the back of your neck with your arms. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Oh, I love how this went the dinosaurs. Yeah, alias the dinosaurs. Just like that. That's amazing. Brandon, if you haven't turned your Bluetooth speaker off yet, I suggest you do. Yeah. Brandon's neighbor, this is not a typical episode. And I really yeah. encourage you to go back to like episode seven or eight where we were just kind of getting our feet under us and it was really, really yeah. informative. We tried yeah. to be professional back and, then. And, and yeah, serious, serious nature. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, getting back into the list here, of course, it's it's a prepper podcast. So World War Z. Yep. Had to, had to, just because zombies. Okay, right? sure. Yeah. So just let's just let's because zombies, no other reason but zombies. Let's let's take zombies as as a, as an analogy for the the zombie the general masses of people that are not prepared for for life. Right? Yep. They're chasing you down. They want what you have, and you have to deal with these hordes yeah. of undead. Um, I think it was Mark Twain said that it will. It's the the downfall of society will not be uh, will not be external, but will be when technology surpasses technology surpasses independent thought or something like that. And uh, <laughs> uh, if, you, if you watch people walking down the street with their face buried in their phone, um, we're most of the way there, right? The zombies the zombies yeah, already those, exist. We just yeah. call we just call them smartphone addicts. Yeah, they're just not in the form that we see in the movies. Fair enough. Yeah, no, and actually the book World War Z was, of course, much better. It had nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. But in the book, they do mention the fact that when Buddy goes off searching for a cure, um, they basically hold his family hostage, for lack of a better term, meaning like if he doesn't go and find a cure, they don't get a space on the boat that provides them with, you know, safety and food. And as soon as he dies in the course of his duty, they're going to drop them off on the nearest island and let them fend for themselves. So again, human interaction, you know, uh, what they can get out of somebody, you know, how much your life is worth at a certain point. And it was just, a, it was a really interesting take on that too. Yeah. That they built a wall. I mean, a big, big wall around Israel, I guess that was pretty cool, but it didn't work, but yeah. yeah. It's amazing how every disaster movie starts with someone not listening to the scientists. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, I am legend where everybody listens to the scientists and then it turns out to be a really bad idea. (laughs) True. True. Fair enough. Fair enough. Zombies yet again. (laughs) We just can't win. There's going to be zombies no matter what we do. No matter what, they're going to be zombies. So we might as well be ready for it. (laughs) My movie actually doesn't have zombies in it. (laughs) It should. You got got to leave then, Scott. All right. Well, thanks. See you later. It's been good. Um, So I chose The Martian with Matt Damon. Um, not a classical prepper movie, but very much a survivalist movie. Um, the, the premise is in the near-term future, there's a mission to Mars. They have to evac because uh, a huge storm is about to swamp their camp. Uh, Matt Damon accidentally gets left behind. Um, they all think he's dead. He loses communications. Um, 
but the fact the movie actually deals with food and you know bodging together survival and trying to make communications work with whatever equipment he can he can scrounge up and MacGyver together. Um, going back to uh, your potatoes, Alan, he has to grow potatoes because he's got enough food to survive a little while, but if he doesn't start growing some, uh, he's going to be in trouble. So the fact that the movie actually deals with uh, food issues, the mundane day-to-day stuff, you know, none of the you know, we, we talked about it in our um, year-long War Games episode. You know, yeah, firewood's going to be a huge issue, but, you know, it doesn't make very good cinematography to just have a guy splitting firewood for a week. Um, so I really like how it, it dealt with a lot of the other sort of issues. Um, you know, the, it is a hostile environment. Uh, maybe there were no zombies, but um, anyway, it it just makes me think and... Um, I quite enjoyed it for, uh, for those reasons. So, well, I mean, the whole movie was about improvise, adapt, overcome. Right. And yep. so everything that came his way, that it was a problem. He had to figure out a, a workaround or else he was going to die basically. And it boils down to the mental game too. Cause I mean, he could have given up at any point and just laid down and died, but he didn't, you know, and there's a lot of like, you know, physics. I had a huge issue with a lot of the physics involved, but okay, sure. You know, it made for a, for a good movie, but, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, growing growing potatoes in your own poop or, you know, having to, you know, uh, I guess cobble together some fixes, whether it be the escape pod he ends up uh, driving to or making, you know, the, the damaged uh, uh, space station work to his advantage, trying to establish communications that, you know, to make everybody know he, uh, know he was there. And then on the other side of that movie, too, is Mission Control had the choice. Do they want to tell the crew that they left the guy behind? And let them just come back to Earth and then mount a rescue mission? Or do they want to give them the choice of turning around and going and getting them? And then all this other stuff. There's there's a lot of choices involved with people's personality and, and I guess, um, how they would react to it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, not a classic movie. I mean, it's no Red Dawn, but I think it uh, <laughs> makes me think, which is what I like in these, you know, in this discussion. Absolutely. I mean, you could, you could, um, you could class, you know, movies like Castaway in with that too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where it's more, where it's, where, where it's a, it's a, um, overcoming an emergency and help is coming theoretically. Like the, this is not the end of the world. This is a, this is a short term emergency, which frankly is probably a whole lot more reasonable to prepare for, right? In terms of what's, what could happen. Um, probably a whole lot more reasonable, but nowhere near as fun to think about. <laughs> uh, service communications had another question what would you consider to be the first prepper oriented movie uh, Swiss Family Robinson Robinson Crusoe I'll take it one step further um, of course I Am Legend is based on the Omega Man with uh, Charles Heston the Omega Man is actually based on the last man on earth with Vincent Price back from the 1950s I think which actually predates Swiss Family Robinson yeah but Swiss um, Family Robinson was a book from the like mid 1800s before that so yeah and then but Robinson Crusoe was based on I think sem- late 1700s was it not uh, and, I believe uh, so yep but that was a book but first first movie I would say probably Last Man on Earth uh, or yeah, I can't think of anything else that predate that one but it was it was it was pretty good I mean The Day the Earth Stood Still was back there I think that was pre pre World War 2 yeah, that was still black and white as well. I mean, yep. but there's uh, that's more of an apocalyptic movie or something like that, or pseudo-apocalyptic. But yeah, no, I'd say a survival movie, Last Man on Earth, probably. That that's definitely going back. And as, uh, as a throwback to that to that to that comment, I can uh, um, I can credit Swiss Family Robinson as being the like the the trigger to my desire to be prepared for the for for anything. My grandpa, my grandpa used to read that to me when I was homesick. Um, I actually still have the book on my shelf, the, like the, the same copy that he that he used for, to read to me, and it was uh, I, I just absolutely loved that book. It was, it was a phenomenal story. I did grow up watching the TV series as well, which was pretty good. Ooh, Lost, in, Lost in Space would be a uh, would be a, would would be right back there too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, Brandon also asks, uh, how about 28 days later? Um, what do you do to prepare for complete destruction of society in just a few weeks? Well, especially if you're in a hospital in a coma and you wake up, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. um, I, uh, the whole 
with that movie, I think the first thing I, I got angry with is that he woke up supposedly after the destruction of society and he wasn't dehydrated. Isn't that also the opening, <laughs> the opening, like the pilot episode of Walking Dead? Exactly the same, ripped off to the T. Um, yeah, so it was Cillian Murphy, I think it was, uh, that played that, uh, one of his first movies. Anyway, um, it was pretty good, except for he was completely clueless and he was really slow on the uptake. And I'm surprised he didn't get off in the first five minutes of the movie. But it's like, you know, if you wake up and the entire society's gone gone crazy, and there's some, some random frothing at the mouth kind of people running towards it. And he's just like, oh, that's peculiar. <laughs> Doesn't really react beyond that. I was like, uh. And then the girl that plays Money Penny, I can't remember her first name, but um, she's uh, she was in that movie. I think it was her first movie as well. Um, so it's kind of neat, but. Running fast zombies, not nearly as fun as sh- slow sl- shambling zombies. But. The fast running zombies are the scary ones, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. The rest of them, but, you can you can see them coming. You've got some time to react to it. It's the fast running ones; they, they they sneak up on you. But the tail end of that movie was actually really good in the fact that um, basically they had uh, you know military trying to maintain military bearing, but making some really horrible choices in life, like keeping women and shooting men. And I, uh, can't, you know, ima- I can't imagine the military making bad choices in general. Yeah, and then they had uh, food shortages to deal with. They had, uh, you know, like, um, basically, yeah, they're basically taking what's theirs because they're the ones with the guns. And then, um, yeah, there just there was some real moral um, side, right turns, I guess, taken in that movie. But, uh, again, the sequel was kind of interesting in, in what they'd done afterwards as well, trying to recover because it was just the one island that had the problem, right? And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting movie. I think the end was actually better than the beginning. Yeah. I mean, to, to Brendan's question, um, I think there's a lot of different scenarios where society would collapse really quickly and, you know, a few weeks time, you know, as we were saying that the whole nine, nine meals away from chaos, you know, it, it probably, you know, certain things could happen without a zombie virus that would ruin our day really quickly. Yeah, I mean, it just takes power grid, really. I yeah. mean, the, yep. yeah, it's true. But how do you prepare for that? I guess just uh, be as less reliant as you can. You'll never be self-reliant, but I guess uh, the the less you're, uh, you know, tied to, I mean, externally supplied sources, the better. And yep. you know, re- redundancy and flexibility and adapt and overcome. Yeah. Yep. Not much you can really do. <laughs> Ah, let's see here. What else we got here? Um, do you guys hear about this one? Uh, Dan, Dan's asking about a uh, a book called Mountain Men, um, which I guess they have podcasts as well called We're Alive. Uh, excellent zombie and survival audio story. Never heard of it, unfortunately. No, I, I saw that came up, come up in the chat there, and I Googled it, and Brokeback Mountain came up, so I stopped. Uh, yeah, no, that's good. Uh, Mailman New Brunswick, uh, I can give you a mic drop on this one. Gilligan's Island, well, if they would have shot Gilligan on episode one, they would have been rescued episode two. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, or, or if they if they had just gone with the, uh, the, the Harlem Globetrotters when they showed up to the island and then magically disappeared. No, seriously, Gilligan had a six shooter with like two bullets left in it on episode one, and he blew the he wasted them both. And but again, if they if Skipper just strangled out Gilligan, every other opportunity they had it would have been worked out fine. So anyway, <laughs> sounds right. Skipper just didn't take any command authority there at all. <laughs> well, that's how we got. That's likely how they got in the problem in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Philip mentioned Zombieland. You got to have your rules. Yep. Well, unfortunately, Zombieland didn't pay attention to the rule where gasoline goes bad after a while and power does not stay on. But uh, uh, hey, Emma Stone is a brunette. Woo, woo. Uh. <laughs> I, guys, I was I was shocked and disappointed to learn that Emma Stone is not, in fact, a natural redhead. Uh, she's actually blonde. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was mm. I was deeply upset when I learned that, which yeah. was also yeah. rather recently That's, for some reason. Um, read about probably one of the best extended that. cameos in history, though. Yes, with Bill Murray. But. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, uh, Zombieland was, it was an awesome, entertaining movie, but not a whole lot of lessons to be learned there. Uh, let's see here. Mentions 28, uh, Brandon mentions 28 days later again as the uh, evolution of a character going from clueless to killing another human with his bare hands in just a few days. That is true. He did actually come around eventually, but, um, he needed basically some hard lessons learned, I guess, along the way. So, yep. yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Well, shall we move into the podcast challenge with that then? 
So think of some of your favorite prepper movies, uh, survivalist movies, or some of the ones we've discussed here this evening, uh, and apply some of the, the key things in that to your own preps. Are there gaps uh, in your preps that would be highlighted if you were in their situation? Let us know. Nice. Upcoming events. All right. Uh, still for now, I don't know what you guys are doing in Ontario. It seems to change it on the daily, but uh, for I now, you can, still, know either. Yeah, you can still attend some Maple Seed, I think, for now. I think uh, listener Eric tried to get on with uh, one of the Maple Seed, but they're actually sold out or uh, booked up. So I guess if you still have one open in your area, take advantage of it. That's about all we have. That's at mapleseedrifleman.com slash events. And we've got a deal of the week. Cobra FRS radios, 28 bucks a pair. I'm actually rather upset by this because I've owned Cobra FRS radios for a number of years and they're always like 60 or 70 bucks a pair. I've had, I've lost them and had them damaged and had to go buy more. And I currently don't have a need for any of these, but I think I'm probably going to buy a couple of sets anyways. So the link to those at visions.ca is in the uh, show notes. And that is uh, no license required, uh, FRS frequency, short range-ish um, radios that are absolutely phenomenal and really handy to have. Well, so yeah, and if, you, if, you if you don't have the ability to go out and get your ham license, it's uh, certainly a good yep. exp field expedient uh, fix for that. That's something to have in your EMP box, that's for sure. It'll fit, fit in your 50, <laughs> 50 cal can. Sure will. <laughs> there are... Got to fill it up. And, and they also have, you know, an... Uh, uh, an uh, they fill a need outside of ham. If you're if you're trying to if you're doing you know a back and forth communication with somebody, you're not tying up uh, a channel for no damn reason if you're close. You don't necessarily yep. need to be on ham if you're doing something uh, close in. If you're you can use them for you know I, I know a lot of trades use them for communicating back and forth between floors and yep. uh, what have you, and they're a cheap alternative to a company owning a you know a set of you know Motorola radios and paying for a commercial license. Okay, and, and DM Davey, you're just making fun of my age now when you say breakfast club. And we all know high school is something to be survived or endured, not like, you know, enjoyed, but is it a survival movie? I don't know. <laughs> don't you forget about me is actually a, is actually a song warning about dementia. <laughs> oh boy. Let's go to shout outs. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got a, a shout out to Adam, a uh, new $7 Patreon for us. So appreciate the support. Helps uh, keep the show going. So thanks to Adam. Appreciate that, Adam. Awesome. Uh, I got one for Henry and Janine at Budget Shooter Supply. Once again, uh, when nobody else has anything, they have almost everything. So uh, yeah, thanks again, guys, for the fast shipping and uh, for maintaining good stock despite the ammo insanity going on right now. Uh, I'm going to shout out a couple of my uh, mag friends around here who have a kick-ass library uh, and all sorts of just wonderful reading in there that uh, that I'm going to be partaking in for many years, I suspect. I wish I had friends. Nice. All right. Uh, email and iTunes reviews. All right. I got one from uh, Evil Von Scary, which has got to be the best username ever. Um, <laughs> and so he just mentions uh, regarding our uh, EMP, or I guess one second after book review. Uh, so regarding the transformers that we talked about, he says there's over 40 manufacturers of various sizes uh, of transformers in Ontario alone. One in Kitchener-Waterloo area makes them for the Bruce uh, power plant. Granted, those things have to ship by rail and wide load trucks, but they are made domestically as well. Okay, uh, he's absolutely right. Uh, small transformers are definitely made domestically. Um, there's no doubt about that. And now I did source a lot of this stuff from the Congressional EMP report, but I kind of backed it up again by doing some little interwebs research myself. So just to make sure that he was on the same page as us, we were specifically talking about the large transformers, like at the substations and up, like, you know, um, basically where all the large power lines meet and everything else. Um, household transformers are generally 10 to 25,000 watts uh, of output type of thing. Like the, you know, on the power pole just outside of your house. When we say large transformers, we're talking about 300 million watts. Um, so these are the super duper large ones that can be moved generally or half buried usually and are definitely unique and specific to the substation involved. Um, now, theoretically, there are six manufacturers in the U.S. that could 
make these 300 million watt transformers, but don't. Um, they literally said, well, we have the capability of doing so, but we just don't feel that that's a moneymaker for us, so we're not going to. And uh, due to a series of mergers, acquisitions, and shenanigans, if you ask me, there are now two manufacturers of large transformers in the world, um, ABB and Siemens. Now, ABB is based in Asia. Um, you can guess where. Siemens is made in Germany. Oh, so it's Germans. Um, now, if you want to go down the rabbit hole, um, ABB is owned by majority shareholders BlackRock, which pretty much owns everything uh, with Vanguard around the world. Um, Siemens is owned by Fisher Asset Management and BlackRock. <laughs> so, so in reality, uh, you have all the large manufacturing of mega transformers made by one company now. So that's around the world. So that's yep. a thing. That's uh, a rabbit hole. Yeah, lead time is still 18 months out for an order, and that's assuming that you're only ordering one or two at a time. Now, if you had thousands go out at once with an EMP, you can imagine the backlog would be longer than 18 months, and hence, you know, one second after. <laughs> so, so if, if there's an EMP, how are they going to power the factory to build the transformers? Well, we're assuming the EMP did not go over ABB in Asia or Siemens in Germany. But it, even if it did, if one of those two got knocked out, then obviously your your lead time for replacement would basically double because only half the manufacturing capability. Or if you were not friends with BlackRock, then I guess your your lead time turns into infinity. Um, the other, I guess, issue Whoops, in the damage and shipping. Whoops, damage <laughs> and shipping. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, our backlog is too big. We can't help you. Sorry, we never received your order. Exactly. So the biggest issue with the congressional report was the fact that they have basically a total reliance on foreign sources for their major components. So the U.S. admits that they have no capability of replacing any major major transformers that get knocked out for whatever reason, just wear and tear or EMP or anything else. So they're saying that that is a tactical or strategic shortcoming that they need to overcome. And that's what the EMP report is, what, almost 10 years old now? And I don't think things have gotten better. Why would they? <laughs> so, Once again, <laughs> relying on the government to get something done. <laughs> and done efficiently at that. Well, so. I mean, you look at COVID vaccines as something that, you know, perfect example where we don't have any domestic capability, PPE production. Yeah. We're reliant on foreign sources. And doesn't matter how good a friend you are <laughs> with these guys, when there's that demand... It's the absolute wild west. I mean, you, you hear the stories coming out of, of China with PPE and outright piracy at the airport. Um, yeah. So, you know, it would be every bit as bad with with any massive infrastructure pieces that are in high demand, whatever the situation. That's a good point. Uh, Alan. You're muted, Alan. Damn it. Myth be funny, guys. Email from uh, Kevin Kalnachuk. Kal I apologize if I mispronounced that, Kevin. Uh, punch a hole in the gas tank to get the gas out. Then you don't need to worry about the anti-siphon devices. Or ever using that vehicle again if you wanted to come back and, and rely on it. Um, anti-siphon devices are a great idea. They're a theoretical problem. Uh, you could also just drop the gas tank and drag it away if you really wanted to. They're only hold on by a couple of brackets. Um, yeah. Lots of options. The level of desperation within which you exist will dictate how it is that you um, acquire the fuel that you need. Um, we would caution everyone that, well, under the rule of law, this is a really bad idea. Yep. Like a really bad idea. Well, it turns one problem being low on gas into two problems if you ever plan on using that vehicle again. Well, and, you know, ground contamination unless you're draining the entire tank and, um, you know, somebody and gas you flammable. Well, there's that, but that I mean, we we saw that when the uh, when the pipeline shut down in the uh, in these on these coast, right? And and people were like putting gasoline into plastic bags and trying to transfer. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, let's never underestimate how like. What's the rule? You never underestimate the stupidity of people in large groups. Um, yeah. Well, I tried sure. to get you to go down the carbon monoxide line there, but it didn't work. <laughs> I've already, I've already made my comment about carbon monoxide this, this episode. <laughs> uh, so, 
Uh, I've got one here from Taxpayer Dave. It just says, uh, in, a, in the long emergency, step one, drill out the rivets. Once again. Yeah. I don't understand why you'd want to drill the rivets out of your trailer or something like that. That makes no sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We, we, we will caution that, well, under the rule of law, this is a really bad idea. Yep. After that, we have we take no responsibility for what you do. No. Uh, probably yeah. Entertainment only and, and yeah. Yeah. yeah, entertainment only. It's Don't do all the things advice. we say. It's not legal yeah. advice. We're not lawyers. All that good stuff. We probably should have said at the beginning. We're saying near the end. Yep. Because well, why not? <laughs> at least it's out there somewhere. <laughs> and with that disclaimer, I'll bring uh, episode 121 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. Uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or of course your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. It does help other people find us. And we do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube for now. Uh, if you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It gives you an alert when we are going live. If you prefer to watch on Facebook, then I imagine they have a very similar process, but I don't know. I don't Facebook. Uh, if you want to reach me, you can contact me at Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. I prescribe to the Grayman theory, and I'm not responsible enough to have my own email address, so if you're looking for Scott, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca works just fine. Yep, I know where to find you. Yeah, it probably, so, so does the government, but anyway. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. So yeah, uh, on that note, until C10 comes through or C, what's the newest one? C96 or wherever they got a second one coming through now. Spin the uh, wheel. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you can reach in directly by emailing me at theislandretreat at gmail.com and on Gab and Odyssey at the Island Retreat. You can also find me on Canadian Patriot Podcast, which is on iTunes and YouTube and the Discord group called Canadian Patriot Podcast. Uh, email if you want an invite to the uh, Discord group. It's actually kind of fun. Lots of memes floating around there and... and uh, a lot of gear talk and everything else going on. Yep. Uh, they can find us discussing why government waste in society has me taking notes during movies. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. Well, please you, check you out Rapid Survival <laughs> at rapidsurvival.com. You can get me there on the live chat. You can also email me at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So uh, thanks for joining us this evening. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning.